0: Thank you. Everyone, this is all about Windows Phone Insight Podcast number one hundred and seventy-nine. Recording this on Wednesday, the twenty-seventh of April, twenty sixteen. I'm Steve Litchfield, and with me, I have Rafe
1: Blandford. Hello, everybody. Yeah, good to be back. We've got our usual roundup of all the things that are going on in the Windows Phone, or indeed the Windows Ten mobile world.
0: Yeah, and also a hello to all the people who don't actually use Windows Phone eight or Windows Ten mobile, but who (laughs) seem to subscribe to the podcast just because they like hearing our voices, which I. I'm flattered by Ray. Uh, so welcome to them and I hope they find it interesting.
1: Yes, well, I, I guess if you want to keep up to date with what's going on uh, from Microsoft from a mobile point of view, particularly with their own platform... Uh, this is the place to be. There aren't actually all that many uh, sources of news and relatively few regular podcasts. And I know the mobile ones tend not to cover it so much now, uh, especially given what's happened to market share. And actually we've had the latest of that with the recent Microsoft results with the sales going down yet again and actually pretty catastrophic. Uh, but that's all of course leading from what happened last year with uh, Microsoft and their CEO Satya Nadella, sort of talking about how they were not going to go after the uh, kind of the mass market, a bit of a change there. Yeah, so. Um, no real surprise i mean i guess we might talk a little bit more about that later uh, but yes welcome to everyone who might be listening and would do our best to keep you up to date with what's going on in the uh, windows mobile world yeah well that that, that
0: thought by you then it kind of links into the first story really people have been saying for months if not well say if not years but certainly months <laughs> that windows phone is dead and we've been saying the, the you know, the, the, the sensible line, which is yes, it is dead because it's now Windows 10 Mobile, and the majority of people listening to this will have a compatible phone which has been upgraded already, and that we're running Windows 10 Mobile in one variety or another, i.e., with the production or they might be playing with the Redstone Insiders program. Um, we do, and and t- Terry Myerson, the you know Microsoft's head of devices, he, he actually said this is the, uh, an email, quoted email from him. He says. I understand, this is a, in a, an email addressed to partners and other people inside the company, but obviously it was intended as an official leak so that the rest of the media <laughs> would get hold of it. And here uh, were his, his thoughts. He said, I understand you're hearing concerns from certain partners about Microsoft's commitment to the mobile space. Let me be very clear. We are committed to deliver Windows 10 on mobile devices with small screens running ARM processors. Full stop. We are currently in development of our next-gen products, and I wanted to reconfirm our commitment to Windows 10 Mobile. We believe in this product's value to business customers, and it's our intention to support the Windows 10 Mobile platform for many years. We have a device roadmap to support that from Microsoft as well as our OEM partners, who will also be selling an expanded lineup of phone devices based on this platform which is pretty clear rave
1: yeah i think it's very clear and it kind of answers the question about what are microsoft plans you know do they have a long-term roadmap or were they sort of quietly intending to wind things down there are a couple of important caveats i think are worth highlighting in that the first of those is uh, windows 10 on mobile devices with small screen running arm processors Uh, That basically does mean mobile phones, um, potentially also tablets, but the ARM processors is kind of the important bit there. We're not talking about um, kind of Intel powered devices or some kind of subset or get out clause there. You know, that's clearly the current generation of Windows 10 mobile type devices. I think the more important one is actually. Uh, We believe in the product value to business customers, and I would emphasize business there. Uh, We've already talked about this, um, you know, stepping away from the main part of the consumer mass market, as I I mentioned just a few moments ago, and the strength of the enterprise play, which uh, inevitably is one of Microsoft's strengths, given that it's kind of got the history, not just in the office suite on kind of the front end, but all of the back end servers services and increasingly with azure business intelligence as well now as well as of course things like the exchange server and all of those pieces that kind of go up to make a mobile productivity suite and if it's not just microsoft it's all its partners so you start to think about things like salesforce which i mean a lot of these enterprise services are increasingly cloud-based but I think it's still fair to say a lot of them will work best and first on a Windows desktop. And indeed, Microsoft remains absolutely dominant in that desktop space, particularly when you look at the enterprise part of the market the final bit I want to emphasise is that we have a device roadmap to support back from Microsoft, so it's clear that Microsoft is going to continue producing devices. There's been the off mentioned uh, Surface Phone, which feels like it will actually have more of a consumer and enterprise focus, but I suspect there may also be a bunch of kind of middle of the road devices, and, you know, along the lines of things like the 650, which intended to give businesses a, a competitive price point, and also then the OEM partners and. I think there has been a shift with Windows 10 Mobile because we've seen people like Acer come in more strongly. Also, of course, HP with the kind of that well-known one we've talked about a lot, the Elite X3, and I suspect there'll be more of those. So it's a move away from the purely consumer-driven companies to the more enterprise-focused one. But all in all, that's, you know, pretty strong message. Now, I guess you could be cynical and say, well, of course, that's what he's going to say because he wants the partners to remain committed. And actually, it will all depend on what happens and how the market does. Yes, of course, that's true. But it kind of makes it clear that Microsoft clearly intends to and wants to operate in that space. Um, you know Whether it is successful in doing so is another question, but I don't think that leaves any room for doubt about its ambitions, at least. Yeah,
0: and just to mention it, you mentioned he quoted the word business um, customers there, but in actual fact, by it's not just people within companies are being handed devices and configured devices by their IT departments. I would contend that by business customers. He meant basically professionals. He meant people like you or I who intend to use our smartphones for increasing our productivity when we're out and about. Um, I was very telling in my um, updated feature on the top uh, Windows phone and Windows 10 mobile applications. Maybe we'll come to a shout out for that later on. But in that, somebody said, well, Steve, could you just summarize the list of three or 400 and just give me, you know, what's, what's the best 10? And I quoted what I thought were perhaps the best 10, in my opinion, from the list, you know, the must-have apps for, for the platform. And and they were all kind of serious, kind of productivity, kind of... They, they, certainly, they weren't applications that every teenager is going to run out and, and, and grab. So, I think... The audience, we're certainly who listen to this podcast, the audience who read our site, the audience who probably still are enthusiastic about Windows 10 Mobile and Windows Phone, they're people who actually do intend to use these devices to do more with their lives. And they're not really looking, you know, just for games and Snapchat and Instagram. And they're, they're actually trying to um, make themselves quite literally more productive to do more with every second of every day. Does, does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I mean, I personally feel there is less of a distinction than there ever used to be between consumer and enterprise devices. But that's more a reflection of how capable everything's got. And actually, you know, the availability of things like Office on Android and iOS and good exchange support. And we've you know, seen recent developments just this week, um, you know, from from Google with their mail application on Android in terms of exchange support. And that's kind of a continuing pattern. But I I guess there is still that thing that some enterprise, you know, talk about the very heavily enterprise focused thing with kind of line of business applications and also potentially the device management support are strongest if you're offering a a complete solution all the way through is on Microsoft. I, I do take your point that I think business can certainly also be expanded to include professional productivity users. Uh, I feel that a lot of those probably are on iOS and Android, you know, if they've kind of got a free choice. But as you say, there are a lot that are going to still be tied to Windows for one reason or another. And yeah, yeah, I think you can certainly include that in in that kind of remark. What I think it specifically excludes is kind of an expectation that you would see a full lineup of Windows devices available from every operator uh, in every market um and so you know it's therefore hard to get hold of devices i mean that's kind of what we mean by moving away from the mass consumer market I mean, partly that's about the lineup of devices but it's very much also about the distribution network and how you get hold of those devices and of course that has a knock-on impact on the kind of the app and the rest of the ecosystem um so you know i'm perhaps a little more conservative than you in that interpretation of, of business customers but that's perhaps to do with where i see kind of the strongest and those phones and you know actually uh windows phone and subsequently windows 10 mobile has enjoyed quite a bit of success at being sold into businesses on the basis of just being brain dead simple and easy to integrate with current systems and for you know some companies that's going to be the the critical thing um but you're right to say it's not necessarily you know just the, the device you're handed i mean increasingly there's also this idea of bringing your own device and you know speaking in my own experience this is just an anecdote it's not a data point but actually the best integration you get with enterprise system is typically when you're using a windows 10 device because all the security the whole thing is you know sometimes on android you'll be using something like touchdown which is a third party email client or you'll be having to jump through additional hoops and i think what people don't always realize in these enterprise environments is the devices are more locked down and so the ability to use your favorite third party email application may not apply and of course that extends to other software as well Um, so it's interesting to see this you know whether you call it deliberate leak or whether it's an email that sort of it's a good thing that it's come out I I think it speaks pretty clearly to the commitment that Microsoft is showing, which, you know, given this is a week where, as I say, we've had a cratering of both the revenue and the sales in Microsoft mobile phone unit, it's something that they probably needed to do. And so uh, fortuitous timing or, you know, a little bit of clever tactical management in releasing this kind of information.
0: Yeah, yeah. You've mentioned there that there were some quarterly results from Microsoft. No, I haven't actually written a story about this. I think they're probably too depressing in terms of <laughs> in terms of the, the mobile aspect. But I want to emphasize really that they are, in a sense, irrelevant. We've got this this um, just, uh, email from Terry Myerson reaffirming commitment. and And let's face it that the, the Microsoft has not been advertising, it's not been promoting, it's not been marketing, it's not been selling its phones through any of the retail stores. I mean, th- we saw this again with Nokia back in the day when they kind of dr- dropped. Um, They said, okay, we're going to Windows Phone, we're dropping Symbian. And and they kind of put the axe to their distribution and their promotional and marketing channels. It's not surprising, really, that um, Microsoft only sold, was it, 3 million Lumis or so in the last quarter, given that they're not being promoted or marketed or pushed at all at least if you actually wanted to buy a a lumia 950 for example you've really got to want to you've really got to seek it out or you've got to buy it online direct from microsoft or direct from a a major retailer in your country you you can't just wander into your local high street shop and say oh that looks interesting i'll have a play and then buy it um, so, it, it, in a sense, you could argue it's a miracle. They even sold three billion lumens, but the number is kind of irrelevant. It is smaller than it was. But then, if if look at Samsung's figures, they they spend hundreds of millions, if not more, of dollars per year on marketing and promoting in huge banners and and TV adverts. All, the complete works. As a result, they have massive success, high sales. Microsoft spends zero dollars, zero pounds, $0, zero euros, zero effort, and surprise, surprise, they get very. Um, low sales but i think microsoft knows it's in this transition phase it knows it's just trying to get the operating system finished it knows it's trying to get continuum pushed out to all every windows 10 laptop and desktop in the world throughout 2016 so that in 2017 when it launches whatever its new lineup is the software will will mature and it'll be able to connect to virtually anything and i think they they know that they there's no point in spending lots of money on marketing in 2016 because it's not going to go anywhere next year is the time when it should all really take off
1: yeah I, I mean you'll forgive me for saying that uh, <laughs> i think you might be being you know a little bit glass half full there um i, I think all of that's right and in, in when you talk about the fact that microsoft isn't making the same investment i, I suspect it's not naught dollars there's still significant sales teams and everything else out there um but as i say we do have to kind of contrast you know where we are now and the sort of position that microsoft has adopted as so say not being mass consumer market that dates back to last summer um but you know if you'd asked this question a couple of years ago this would have been regarded as an appalling result and i don't think we should pretend otherwise and actually it's 2.3 million lumens i think in the whole quarter that were sold um that's down from i think uh 8.6 million uh, this time last year so that's just how far it's fallen but like i say it's not really a surprise given the strategy that they're pursuing and you know they're now maybe going to sell 10 million a year. You know, there is an interesting question about uh, at what point does that ecosystem become unsustainable because there just aren't enough devices in it. But of course the point you always quite rightly make is it's actually part <laughs> yeah. of the wider <laughs> Windows 10 mobile ecosystem. So I think purely judging it on that basis, you know, a direct comparison with Android or iOS sales numbers is misleading, just as it's, you know, misleading for us to say, oh, yes, everything's hunky-dory, it's fine. It's not, you know, Microsoft created and has effectively failed in its original strategy. But as you say, there does have to be this transition period. Now, there's a really interesting question about whether Microsoft can have a, a viable mobile platform, even if it is connected to Windows 10 Mobile in the way I've just described or whether, you know, it will just eventually go away. I mean, they've kind of already proved that they can't match Android and iOS. That doesn't mean they can't exist in the market in another way. And it kind of frustrates me a little bit that people don't understand that. And, you know, it's going to be brutally hard from now on because people will always, and they'll continue to make that comparison, but it's not really like with like. Uh, You can say that as someone who, you know, wants to defend Microsoft's effort in this space. And it's not unfair, but at the same time, you've got to accept that they are going to be judged on those standards because essentially they're the products are trying to do the same thing. You know, they will be up against the iPhone and all these Android devices. That's what customers will make the comparison to, whether they're in the consumer market or the enterprise side. And so I don't think any of us should pretend that it's not going to be difficult. At the same time, I think it's a mistake just to write it off and say, you know, Microsoft should pull out the market. That's it. Um, we, we've talked about some of the reasons why. I think Microsoft still needs to kind of elucidate themselves more clearly why that is. You know, they do do a good job of talking about the windows everywhere or the kind of Windows 10 that ability to be a continue across devices, and they don't just mean continue in the sense of the word of uh, turning your phone into a PC. Um, yet there is I, I think it just requires a little bit more um, and obviously the the financial figures uh, connected to all of this are, are pretty uh, pretty poor as well um, there's been a row back on a revenue from android paint as well as that market the average cost of device has come down but actually all the manufacturers seem to have been suffering in q1 because we're definitely entering now a new period where smartphone market has matured in terms of sales volume and while we're not seeing a decline, it's certainly flattening out that growth curve, you know, for as long as I can remember, smartphone sales have increased year on year and now we're sort of it's something to find off and you know that's affected um, the iphone as well which has saw a fairly dramatic drop in sales and i suspect microsoft would love to be selling its number of iphones that are out there but that's a, a different yeah. story altogether and um, so while i think there's still lots of questions it, it seems to be some of the stories around this which is basically going microsoft is doing awfully compared to last year so you go, yeah of course they are and doesn't really tend to address the interesting questions and that's what we're obviously going to try and do in the future on this podcast and i suspect the discussion will be continuing to have in the next year year and to my mind it's how well can microsoft kind of express its vision um, and beyond that kind of windows area or, or that windows 10 ecosystem you know what is that sustainable level is it sustainable you know just looking at the mobile part of it and you know can it establish itself um in a niche part of the market you know i don't think it's ever going to be a big part but you know can it be attractive to enterprises and you know my my thinking is um yes yes it can But I think it's going to face a really uphill struggle kind of proving that. And, you know, we're going to continue to see the headlines about how badly Microsoft is doing in mobile. When actually if you, you step back and look at things like Office 365 and Office on the other devices and the use of Exchange, actually there's an awful lot of technology on mobile devices that are basically dependent or have come from Microsoft. And that provides a pretty impressive base to build on. And it goes back to uh Adela talking about a mobile and a cloud-first company. That doesn't mean having a single dominant platform. That's part of that vision, but it's also able to be, a, if you like, a, a, a surface on which to sell lots of Microsoft products and services. And I think maintaining Windows 10 Mobile is important just to give them the understanding of that mobile space and to offer that singular vision where all of its things can work completely seamlessly. Um, I'm probably not expressing it as well as it needs to be done. And as I say, it comes back to my view that Microsoft probably does need to do a better job at selling that idea itself as well. Yeah,
0: yeah there have been several comments and analogies made and, and along the lines of, well, you know, Microsoft has lost the race to for, with Android and iOS well in advance. But then the, the, the argument is that, well, we're actually in a different race now. Microsoft yeah. has thought, okay, we'll abandon that race. We're moving to a different race in parallel that leaps goes further beyond the initial race. And uh, I did do a feature, I'll just jump ahead in the show notes, Rafe, to called Today's Continuum is Just Cool, Tomorrow's Could Be the Future. Um, and I was kind of inspired, really, by the uh, Corning's Day Made of Glass videos, which I'm sure I've mentioned before, and uh, they came out about three or four years ago. I have embedded one of them, I think, in the in the piece, essentially pointing out that the continuum is the from Microsoft is the only current technology that can really Feasibly, be seen to be coming close to that Android. I mean, I also did a flow linking across to some of Android's and Google's attempts, whereby they're having, you know, Android applications running on a Chromebook, for example, and also Android itself being scaled up into a laptop device. But these are very much fledg- fledgling efforts and kind of half-hearted. Whereas Windows Ten genuinely is an operating system where you can, in theory say I take your 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 surface phone or whatever you want to call it Rafe in 2017 and you it's basically the key thing is it's got all your stuff not just your media and stuff that's trivial because that can be streamed that can be stored anywhere but it knows about you it's got your fingerprint it's it's, you're authenticated into it you're authenticated within it to all the services you, you you want um, all the VPNs you need to access for business, et cetera, et cetera. And so as you move around in your house or in your office or on the move, when you, as you come into contact with screens and projectors and laptop, laptops and all these other things, and other surfaces, glass surfaces around you in theory, you can then connect to those and your phone is still working as a phone but you're also using all these extra surfaces where it might even be in your car as a secondary display, as a continuum display, and you, you can really see that, that there is a vision here. Now, it, it may be that my glass half-full attitude is sort of <laughs> seeing this happening in January 2017. It may not happen until January 2020, but I, I wanted to write the editorial because I could absolutely see where Microsoft is going with this. I just have no idea of the, the exact time scale i have no idea of the eventual the uptake if you like and i suspect that's where the rubber will hit the road
1: yeah and i think it's important to realize that actually having that kind of vision early on is going to be important within how you architect it and that's why i think you know, microsoft does have an advantage with understand you know, i mean if you start to think about um, up until this point mobile and desktop and other forms of computing have been very separate. And depending on what level you look at, you're always going to find commonalities. And indeed, they exist. And a lot of the uh, platform makers have been looking to get more towards that over time. And you kind of see this with Apple. I mean, the bits that are shared between tvOS, watchOS and iOS. And um, at the moment, it's OS X, but I have no doubt, as everyone's been speculating, it's going to be renamed Mac OS at some point but they have more architectural work to do at a fundamental level. Microsoft, right back as early as... uh Kind of Windows Phone 8 was having in mind of bringing these together and continue is kind of the first expression of that. And there's more to come. Google's kind of an interesting one because, you know, Android, I mean, it it does have its tablet and it does have Chrome OS. But again, it feels like they've got some catching up to that. I mean, I think it could happen very quickly and it'll be interesting to see whether we see this at uh, WDC or Google I.O. respectively. Uh, But it's interesting that Microsoft itself is continuing to work on this. I mean, if you look at um, the roadmap they recently put out on on Windows 10, you know, there was an emphasis on uh, more things for Continuum. Um, So, for example, the Redstone, which is now, I guess, known as the Windows 10 Anniversary Edition, um includes a connect feature which will let any Windows 10 desktop or laptop host a Continuum session. That's actually a pretty big deal because suddenly, you know, actually there's a lot more screens you could potentially connect your phone to and you know, turn into a Continuum PC. Um, that's actually even the ability, as I understand it, for that to happen if the PC is locked. Um, there's also going to be touchscreen support um, when you're connecting to a Continuum-compatible phone. So you can touch something on the monitor you're connected to and that will be translated to the phone um the other thing we're seeing i think is laptop-like accessory support that's going to be essentially a new accessory form factor that looks a bit like a a low-cost laptop and actually it's been in the news this week maybe we'll touch on that in a minute um hp also had this as kind of the extender edition which i guess they were kind of getting ahead of themselves when they announced that with the elite (laughs) x3 and there's also this ability to uh, essentially project onto a pc so instead of uh projecting a, a continuum for phone experience on unconnected monitors a continuum compatible phone can connect to monitors or, or screen that are connected to other windows 10 pcs so you know all of that uh you know and that's kind of the first bit that we're going to see uh this year with redstone the stuff you were talking about in your feature article um were uh, probably a little bit more forward-looking i think it's fair to say steve um but there will continue to yeah. be a roadmap and i think um, actually it's relatively easy for Microsoft to do that and develop it further because of the common underpinnings on on the platform and it, it doesn't get talked about very positively but actually windows universal um app platform or uh, initiative of which it you know there was more at build and it particularly being able to convert some existing win thirty two api applications is actually really important because it, you know actually the platform itself not so big deal you know having a um app platform and framework that works across all of these devices Now it's a challenge uh, that is really difficult to solve and i i we firstly, I think Microsoft is still working out how that's going to to happen. And we've talked about kind of some of the limitations of Continuum apps in the past. And, you know, that's going to remain, remain true. But you can start to see where they're going with it. And, you know, instilling that kind of attitude in their, you know, developer base. And we're seeing the universal apps from the likes of Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, that has a really positive impact on Windows 10 mobile. But of course, equally, it plays to Windows elsewhere, you know, be that on the Xbox or on a traditional desktop PC, or a laptop, or a tablet. So, it's a really interesting thing to think about. And I, you know, because Microsoft, there is so much um, I think negativity around Windows Ten Mobile. It, it, you know, some of the positive things that they're doing, I think, get uh, crowded out a little. And I think, you know, Continuum is a great example of that. It's also, uh, I mean, I, I think we should probably be honest here to so even say. Continuum, as it currently stands, uh, has a lot of limitations and frustrations. You know, there's just enough to see the potential, and you know, in some scenarios, it will work great. But I think a lot of people will try and go, "Yeah, I don't really get it. I don't really see it." You know, winding forward a couple of years, and I think that story could be quite different. Um, But you know, Microsoft won't be able to rest on their laurels because I think everyone sees you know where this is going. I mean, it's partly about the fact that smartphones have now got powerful enough that you know there's not a resource issue doing this. But also the idea of you know screens everywhere and connecting wirelessly—it's it's not a new one. Um it's been, i mean, I feel like this vision has been talked about for the last last decade. I don't know about YouTube. I mean, you you must have seen lots of concepts like this over the year. But this is the first one where you start to go. I can see the architectural basis for this at the platform level, and it's not just yeah. a hack to get around something.
0: Yeah, the 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 one people usually quote is the Motorola Atrix exactly. range, which is absolute kludge of the highest order. In which you had a little kind of a half a gigabyte of of RAM dedicated to running a to separate Linux um, computer, which kind of popped up, and then that allowed your window through to your applica- Android applications, which are running in the background. And it was a complete and utter architectural mess. And you're absolutely right to say that Microsoft has been planning its uh, Windows Everywhere um, strategy for the last couple of years, at least since they've you know the the kernel changes for Windows Phone 8. Um, you mentioned the laptops, lap there. there. Um, uh, Rafe, I'm just looking at the the news story on the Acer Liquid Extend, which kind of caught my eye. I mean, we, you've, we people have talked about well, why do you need Continuum? You go to a hotel and you think, okay, well, I'll try and plug my display dock in, and oh, but oh dear, the HDMI ports are not accessible, or they've been glued over by the hotel, or it's stuck to a wall, or there's there's usually some logistic reason why you can't actually do it, and then you think, okay, well, I'll connect wirelessly, and then the the TV turns out not to be Miracast compatible, or something goes wrong, so. The, the, until we get this sort of Windows 10 f- next-gen continue in um, the anniversary edition where you can, can actually connect ju- justifiably to PCs everywhere, um, then what about this idea of a, a laptop whereby you have the essentially about a $100, £100 accessory, which looks to all purpose, intents and purposes like a an ultra-thin, ultra-light laptop, uh, a reasonable display, a good keyboard, but with no processing power whatsoever, no RAM whatsoever, just has got a USB type c port to you know to, to plug into and basically you just take your continuum compatible phone like your lumi 950 950 xl um in this case the Acer jade primo or whatever and you simply pop it in the side and hey presto the the, the laptop then springs to life and you use it just as you would a windows 10 laptop and you've got your applications a universal windows applications including outlook and maps and uh uh, office applications etc cetera, etc cetera. and all the while your phone is connected and you can still pick the phone up, phone up and use it to take phone calls while carrying on you know reading your emails and then instructions and editing your powerpoint slides so i to me i i know i've been struggling to find enthusiasm for the display dock and all the different wires making a right mess of a desk of mine which has already got too many wires on but the idea of a laptop where i could put this ultra thin accessory not much thicker than a a standard bluetooth keyboard in my briefcase or my back backpack and then wherever I am, I can just whip it out and pop in the USB Type-C thing for my phone, and hey presto, I've got a laptop, and I haven't got to worry about any authentication, about having to update the applications on it, about having to make sure I've got the apps I need on it, because everything's on the phone, and it's always with me, and all I'm doing essentially is is taking the, the phone and getting a secondary display that's much bigger much more usable and with a trackpad and with a, a full keyboard so these for, for me these laptops they're far more exciting and this liquid extend i think uh, admittedly it's fairly low end in terms of screen res but apart from that i think i'm definitely going to be buying one of these
1: yeah i you know i'm really intrigued by this because uh it, it's one of those ones where uh, it's going to be a Marmite i think you're either going to love it or you'll hate it as a concept. Um, but having seen the success of things like the chromebook devices it kind of puts me in mind of something like that and you know the cost is going to be absolutely critical here and you know some people will look at this and go yeah but i could get a a macbook air or another ultra portable and you know have a you know a similar kind of device if you if you will but of course you know they are typically the most expensive laptops and you know although the you know the uh Acer Prime the the phone that goes with this, or indeed something like the Lumia 950 or 950 XL, aren't cheap. You, know, you marry something like that, and we've talked about the 950 getting down to 350 pounds with potentially a hundred pound accessory. You're talking about 450 for what will be a pretty capable device. Now I think you know the pricing will continue to change, and you know we've seen the success enjoyed by the Chromebooks uh, essentially being more limited. And of course, you know, we're talking about Windows 10 Mobile here, which effectively much more sandbox than desktop Windows in terms of, you know, the security problems you might have with it or the the ability to mess it up, if you like, uh, does seem a lot less. So this does intrigue me. And I think, you know, there is this question about, you know, would you have this rather than a laptop? Um, For certain people or certain segments, it it seems to make sense. And so I'm definitely intrigued by this. Um, Personally, I, I don't know, would I actually use this? You know, I've got a laptop and so it sort of is is maybe a moot point for me, but is this a way of kind of making? Bit more accessible as a different product. I, I don't want to rule it out just because of my personal prejudice, and that it just feels like the potential's there. And it's something, you know, as uh someone who's been following kind of mobile second consumer tech, you know, it's been around this kind of concept for a long time. And I'm really keen for you know the vision to come off. So I'm going to be watching this with great interest because when I mean, you mentioned the Motorola Atrix, there was also a, a company called Redfly that did its companion devices, which were effectively kind of this same concept: dumb screens and keyboards that you could connect to. A, a smartphone to and I think those cases it was going back to the Windows mobile device days if I remember correctly it may have also worked with some of the uh, uh, Palm devices
0: yeah Palm Pre I think maybe yeah. that's
1: right and you know yes this concept's been around a while, but yeah, it, it, it looks intriguing. And just having a quick look at the video, you go, yeah, it does make Continuum really easy to use because, you know, you move away from having the dock and have to carry the keyboard and everything like that. You know, and you can just put this £100 accessory, or I suspect you'll end up being a bit more than that, uh, you know, in your bag and just carry it around with you. And it just gives you that bit of added capability that you can't do on a phone. And for those enterprise environments we've been talking about, it's really quite intriguing, but potentially also in the classroom for you know, or in education, you know, areas where the Chromebook has done well. This feels like it, it's an interesting approach, at the very least, and I think people should give it the benefit of the doubt to at least have a look at it and consider it.
0: Yeah, the the, the problem will be, of course, selling it and getting the concept across Indeed. to people until they can understand. They, they look at it and they see a laptop. Think, well, why didn't I just bring a laptop? But the whole point, as I said before, it's no, it's the fact that your phone has all your authenticated. Sessions and cookies all established, and you normally, if you have a sort of like a, a lightweight um, netbook or laptop, you've then got to hook it up via Wi-Fi tethering to your smartphone, and that doesn't always work perfectly, and it's inefficient and it's power draining. Um, here. You, 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 Basically, your phone is the session. Your phone is the connection, and then this is just acting as a secondary display. Just looking at the specs of this um, Acer Liquid Extend, eleven point six inch screen sounds about right. Seven twenty p resolution, though. Rafe, that's given that the phone's themselves a QHD to have a, a laptop screen res of seven twenty p does seem rather low, and I suspect that's to do with pricing and Acer wanting to keep this, for example, less than a hundred dollars or hundred euros. Um, it's got two USB A ports on the side, which means you can plug in a, ma- a wired mouse and keyboard you don't have to of course continue you can run both via bluetooth but i, I imagine this is just going to be easier and faster for many people not having to worry about uh, uh, pairing things up and, and yeah. troubleshooting it when the pairing goes wrong um, plus it's also got hdmi in for non-continuum compatible smartphones. I'm also guessing Acer's got an eye to people plugging in, you know, for example, a, an Android phone, which gives them a bit more of a market for the accessories. There's a, do go and have a look at the video if you're listening to this. The Acer Liquid Extend. It's a very interesting gadget. It's similar to the HP version that's going to come out in a couple of months time. And do you know what, Ray? I, I i would be prepared to place a a small bet right now that Microsoft will do its own version by the end of 2016 and call it something similar. Of course, it'll be twice the price, but I'm pretty sure there will be at some point a Microsoft laptop as well.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing is the assumption would be that these will probably be compatible between devices. So you could, in theory, use the Acer with a a Lumia phone. You're right about the specifications, but uh, Equius, you said there can be multiple versions on the market. I suspect there'll be a... 1080p version or qhd version or equivalent um and you know having the usb ports of course means you can do things like plug in uh, usb memory sticks as well as kind of other removable storage and so that that flexibility, uh, I think, is really interesting to to talk about. So, I mean, I, I read this. You know, the first time I saw one of these, I didn't really get it. But as I started to think about, it, and I read your story on this this week, I thought, yeah, it feels like it's got uh, potential. I mean, part of me wonders: are we getting excited about it because it's something new and interesting? But you know, having seen things like, as I say, the Chromebooks and what I would regard as relatively limited functionality laptops actually do surprisingly well and actually it was netbooks were the kind of the original precursors of that i guess something that extends from the phone now leaving aside all the issues around windows 10 mobile, it, it share and therefore a pretty small addressable market in one sense for these kind of things just the concept and the idea and the elegance of it it, it does appeal uh to me actually the vital thing is going to be obviously cost but then also making sure they keep the uh the the size and the weight right down and don't cut too much on the component so it needs to be a pretty decent screen because otherwise you should get ah you know it's giving me eye strain or whatever so that's a delicate balance and i suspect the first couple of versions won't necessarily get that right um but yeah really intriguing this and as you say we're going to see a whole bunch of these extend accessories i'm sure before the year's out
0: yeah, well people wanted us to chat more about continuum on this podcast. And over the last six weeks, I think we've we've really covered it in some depth in every aspect. So hopefully listeners are happy. Just to let's, let's change tack completely. Zen and Flash. Let's go back. To that back to Seriously, imaging, yes. I did actually do a comparison piece on um, flash, technology, flash technologies flash uh, technologies. But people were asking me in comments and other stories, you know, how does the triple LED flash on the nine fifty compare? To Zen and Flash on the 1020 and 808, so I thought, well, I'd answer it once and for all. And I used the uh, the archetypal test for, uh, for Flash and freezing motion, the, a spinning fan, Rafe. And I guess you won't be surprised to notice that the 808 and 1020 not only tied for first place, but they're a country mile ahead of LED Flash. Which is not to say that the LED Flash models are necessarily worse, because they have their own pros and cons. But uh, certainly, if you want to actually t- catch Rafe Blandford dancing at a, at, a, at a you know going clubbing at 2am, and you want a nice photograph of raping it with a fancy pose or if you've got to catch auntie maud laughing at that wedding evening reception then you still can't go wrong either with a proper camera or with one of these old uh, zin and flash devices
1: I think that's a, a fair comment, although I would point out that I don't dance quite as fast as your electric fan moves. <laughs> and so you probably did test in the most trying conditions. And I think clearly if you're looking to really freeze fast movement, Zenon's all always going to win. But in one sense, I was actually surprised the Lumia 950 did uh, as well as it, it, it did in your test. I mean, it um, was, I think, uh, six points behind the 1020 and the 88, kind of the purebred Xenons, but it was notably ahead of something like the 640. In fact, it was further ahead of the 640, which is kind of your bog-standard LED yeah. Yeah. camera flash from a, a few years ago. And so it does show how things have moved on, and one would hope that you know we'll see similar progress in the next few years. I mean, we've talked ad infinitum about the trade-off between Xenon and LED flash, but One of the things I think is very apparent in this particular comparison is that um, the triple LED flash 950 has probably moved things on a little bit. And if you were doing a different kind of test, which would uh, maybe be dark conditions and actually some of the things we were talking about last week in terms of the kind of HDR mode on the camera and that ability to have kind of dynamic contrast, if you will... it's a good example of how things have come on. This uh, fan test is probably trying to ask a little bit too much. But <laughs> I mean, I don't know what your experience of using the 950XL in those kind of conditions. It, it it seems to me, again, it's moved things on a bit. It's just a series of iterative improvements. But it still feels like we're a few years of even getting closer than on I don't think you ever will just because the, the physics and the light and the optics yeah. involved are just different. Um, but even so, I mean, were you pleasantly surprised with? Uh, I, I don't want to say it was close because it wasn't, but they were, maybe at least within shouting distance now.
0: Uh, absolutely, and I've I've done several other comparisons, and each time the nine hundred and fifty overall, uh, uh, you know, subjects and light conditions, the nine hundred and fifty triumphs over the ten twenty, much to my surprise, um, not by a huge margin, but it, it certainly got there, and it's proven that the. The different design constraints of the smaller camera, but the next gen OIS and the larger aperture and the triple LED flash, and the clever software tricks—they—they they all play a part in in just just overtaking the 1020 slightly. Um, the, the use case for a proper camera flash, whether it's in a proper camera, standalone or a compact or a DSLR, or in this case, a Nokia 808 or a Lumia 1020, is you literally do want to free something in very challenging conditions. And I was I brought, I brought to mind, um, I was in a band about 10 years ago, you may remember, and I, I used to like take photographs of, say, the band in action or the practicing when I wasn't actually doing my bit, and I, I'd photograph the drummer, and he would be mid-roll or mid-rhythm. And the flash would catch the sticks, crisp as, as if he was just holding them in mid-air. When in actual fact, it, that stick was moving down at a rate of knots. You know, he was mid-rhythm. And if you took any kind of photograph of a band with any kind of LED, even triple LED um, flash camera phone, those sticks would have been a blur. And probably the body would be a blur. And I kind of also wanted to do this this whole feature because over the last few weekends i've been taking the lumia 950 xl to family's house and photographing nephews and nieces and under 10s they, they never s- stand still and i've got some good photographs but mainly outside but the indoor ones they continue to disappoint me if you look closely i mean not just down at the pixel level but if you just you know just zoom in a bit you can see that faces are a bit blurred hands are a bit blurred and it's for someone who's been used to these incredible flash um, camera phones it just somehow disappoints i know that people think well it's a, it's a phone it's a camera phone what do you expecting well i expect i expect it to be as good as on a real camera and that's so perhaps i'm setting the bar a bit high but again it goes back to the, that old 1020 which i'm looking at right now in my hand is still a classic device and uh, in fact a tease i've actually got a, a feature lined up for either this friday or next week Looking at the pros and cons, the, uh, definitive pros and cons of whether you all the, the massive 1020 owners listening to this. And I know there are a lot of them, whether they should, in fact, take the plunge and upgrade one 10 mobile or the all advantages, perhaps, of things that they might hang on to that they would otherwise lose if they stayed on 8.1 so there's definitely a debate there. there's definitely information there which i hope to to bring out on the site next week but yes uh
1: look, look 20 for the win <laughs> yeah i look forward to reading that i mean the other thing that we haven't really talked about here is of course that xenon uh, flash but it's very nature free things and i think tends to flatten images and with the led flash you, you kind of get uh, I would argue better color preservation and maybe more realistic right. images. I mean, you're talking about the drumsticks there, Steve. If you looked at it in real life, actually, you're hard put to freeze it with your own eyesight, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, actually, like I think <laughs> that's almost something, you know, you have to consider. And actually, this came up in in the comment thread for this particular article that um, you know, the LED flash have now improved to the extent where actually a lot more of the Images that used to go, oh, they will only work with a xenon flash now work with an energy flash and even potentially give a more pleasing result because of those kind of that color capture and the, some of the saturation differences that, you know, obviously, um, by using a big xenon flash and it's the same with a traditional camera, of course, you know, there, there's almost a compromise you have to make inherent in doing that, you know, flooding it with light and being able to do that short capture, you know, it's just, it's just the basic physics of it, uh, which is of course why a lot of people will opt to turn off um you know the 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 flash altogether yes yeah. led or xenon and actually you know the same would apply to professional photographers as well and um i don't yes. think we should should lose sight of that but yeah this was an interesting piece and uh and i i think you were generous on the 950 scoring but this is the great thing about these it's, <laughs> it it is uh somewhat subjective um but uh you know and actually i i think the um Uh, 1020 typically outdoes the 808 in my experience you know the xenon flash felt a bit stronger but was that software processing yes say it is subjective so there we go um be fascinated to hear people's comments on this as well Um, but that was your special imaging feature for the week wasn't it steve
0: it was just one one comment on that of course if professional photographers who go to gigs and and events and take photographs in low light of bands of course they 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 absolutely they never use flash it'd be anathema to them but what they do have is a, a a camera with a very large aperture, a very large lens, uh, and a very fast ISO setting on their cameras. They know there's going to be a bit of noise, digital noise, but they want to get these, the short exposure with all that colour and with all that atmosphere. And I guess that there'll be a f- good follow-up feature, maybe for sometime next week or the week after, Rafe, where I, I go to a, a live event and experiment with, for example, the different phones at using the creative controls in Windows 10 camera. Uh, of course, you can ramp up the ISO, And you've got the larger apertures and the latest devices and just see how far I can push that in terms of freezing motion acceptably in a event stroke music environment without using flash at all. And of course, that may well then bring in things like dynamic exposure if I play with that. So I think there's yet another imaging feature that I've been inspired to write. So I'll get I'll get right on that after the podcast.
1: There we go. So more content to look forward to on the site.
0: Yeah, but I, I try to stick to uh, one or two imaging <laughs> features a week. Otherwise, this will just become all about cameraphones.com. phones um, Just one final comparison. Nothing to do with imaging, but to do with speakers. Um, just very briefly before we finish. I did, This is kind of a non-article in the sense that an awful lot of the speakers I tested on an awful lot of Lumias were roughly the same volume and quality. But I did want to just put some some figures behind what I know to be. Um, kind of subjective. Um, if you have a look at the scoring, Rafe, there, smartphones speakers tested the wall of sound. I entitled it, and I kind of gave gave it points for volume, points for fidelity for the spoken word, our good our good podcast, and also the uh, for music. And apart from the outlier of the Marshall London, which is a ridiculous um, phone, (laughs) has incredible speakers uh, and uh, very average, everything else. And it's also Android. So we'll go there. Uh, And the Nexus 6 also pretty loud. But again, that's that is Android. Um, Even things things like the Huawei P9, which is uh, very new, unspectacular. Apple iPhone 6, iPhone 6S. Good, good without being spectacular spectacular and the same applies lumia 930 lumia 1020 and if you go back you know lumia 920 1520 the whole litany of lumias with very similar speaker volume and fidelity um, then they come to the 950 950 XL, which is the interesting pair really the you know the latest Mi- microsoft flagships the 950 very much up with the other lumias i would say certainly within the margins of error um, the 950 XL is the controversial one. I have included the um, a, a, a graphic I've used before, which was lifted from a, I think it was an iFixit or similar teardown of the 950 XL. Might have been one of the servicing uh, videos showing the actual speaker component. Um, and it's it's pretty small, and it hasn't got much of a cavity around it. And as a result, it's it really is it 's it's, it's piercing and it 's a painfully piercing i 've even had someone in one of the comments on the story saying they 're experimenting thanks to the replaceable back with putting different types of felt and other materials <laughs> underneath the back to try and you know deaden the pierc- the piercing treble and try and create a, a better tone so i I do feel that microsoft slipped slipped up there they obviously produced the 950xl and 950 under some kind of time constraints and design constraints and i think this is probably the the number one component of the 950xl which i think has probably let enthusiasts like myself down
1: yeah and it's interesting because obviously there is both a hardware and a software component here and i mean i think we've remarked before that uh, isn't always a lot to choose on you know and we'll, again, there is subjectivity built into this. I mean you've done some some measurements, but uh, clearly there's a judgment going on here, but in terms of the hardware, you know there's the actual components themselves, which I'll come back to in a minute, but also the way it's fitted into the device, and as you said, kind of the difference in the cavity and just the positioning and people will know this of so some device if you put down on the desk will immediately go quieter because they're they're deadened or muffled, and you know sometimes the front facing speakers and th- so that can be an important factor. Uh, for some things, and yes, I've noticed it with the 950 XL. It's a, a bit disappointing, especially when Nokia always had pretty good form in this period. I mean, I remember back yeah. to something like the, uh, I think it was a 55, um, Mu- express music, which yeah. was the kind of the first touchscreen Symbian, uh, phone actually had really good loudspeaker in it. And actually, it's very rare for it to be about, uh, stereo. Mono. given that there isn't much physical separation on any of these uh, devices it was more about that clarity and as you described i think the fidelity of the the production there is also a software element to it and i've noticed recently you know there's obviously we've had equalizers on phones for a while uh, but I've noticed now that some of the Android manufacturers, um, Samsung have done it, HTC have done it, will actually allow you to kind of effectively run a test where it gets you to listen to music and kind of let let it know what you sound right, and it will create a unique sound mm-hmm. profile for you. And uh, some of those apps are sort of quite widely available on Android. I know um, Apple has talked about experimenting. I don't think it has done much, and actually what um, I understand does happen is it will sometimes identify the headphones that are plugged in and change things accordingly. And we're starting to see a bit more activity in this space. I mean, you've got things like high res audio coming in. Um, actually, I think we should probably give a bit of credit to HTC because they've probably done more work than anyone else in this department. They've had uh, boom sound uh, for a while now. And actually, um, I, don't, I don't know what your view of be honest, if I know you haven't included it in the particular comparison on the site, but HTC has always done a pretty good job on those boomtown speakers and also indeed when you're listening to it on a, a pair of headphones. I mean, do you have any experience there?
0: Yeah, the um, original HDC One M7 had amazing fidelity. And, and we in the table, that I had the Marshall London, which is a music specialist, audio specialist phone. And I think that does outperform that that original HDC One M7. But the M7 really sounded pretty terrific yeah. relative to every other phone. Now, I think with the M8 and M9 and now the... They, they include, had the smaller speaker chambers and smaller components, and I think they, they kind of lost the edge a bit. And, of course, other manufacturers were then catching up. With the latest hdc 10, which I know you've had a play with, they've actually gone a different direction and thought, well, okay, let's let's scratch the stereo, because you can't really hear much stereo at on a 5- or 6-inch phone at a foot's distance. But uh, let's go for separating the bass and the treble out and optimize each, the speaker at the top and speaker at the bottom, each for a different frequency range. So I'm really looking forward to having a play with the htc 10 and uh, there's also got the g 5 and, and each of these phones i'm going to be hopefully i can retrospectively add them to the table there's Excellent. no reason why i can't do that in the wonders of the internet age so look for an update to that feature yeah. at some point and i'll add some more devices in
1: yeah we well, mentioned the htc 10 there and that separation of the two components actually i believe the uh, huawei p9 does something similar uh, but less us maybe the more cynical among you will assume that that's done because of compromises in the design but certainly the position of the speakers um isn't is important and as you say the cavity chambers um HTC as you say with the 10 have um pushed things back a bit further I was really impressed when I listened to it I haven't had a chance for a prolonged um hands-on play but I'm going to try and get a hold of one and see sort of thing but just the the quick go I did have I was very impressed and it wasn't about the volume because actually that wasn't I mean, it was good. Um, it was really about the fidelity, and I think they've managed to step up. And actually, in some markets, they're also including high-res audio headphones in the box and better support for that. And so they've got this uh, tuning software, which, rather than being hidden away in a setting, will actually pop up, I think, the first time you use the device. Um, and so those kind of things, I think, will make them stand apart. And, you know, given we've talked about cameras and how close all the flagships are, audio does seem to be one of those areas where there's uh potential for a bit more of an arms race or a little bit more effort yeah. to to try things out because honestly there haven't hasn't been that much in the way of changes in the last three or four years i would say um as is kind of evidenced by the fact we've got the uh the ten twenty on here and it's pretty much scoring the same or actually slightly better than some of the other yeah. other devices and it's not even really about size either you know because we've got some big devices on here some small devices and not much to choose between them um so yeah it it, it is an interesting one um so yeah i I look forward to sort of seeing some updates And yeah if if audio is the most important thing i guess you need to go and get the uh, marshall london phone although i should say this is all on kind of loud speakers there are of course several different constituents to audio performance yeah
0: yeah Uh, you mentioned one of the uh, early um and uh, nokia's a touchscreen the the, the nokia 5800 i think you got them. i don't know if you, if you got the model number right but i just wanted to correct it for the list, listeners also the fact there was the x6 uh, yes. which, which followed it also um with the same excellent stereo speakers um and that actually had a capacitive touchscreen but i want to go take listeners back even further just <laughs> to go down memory lane because uh, before that we had the n86 same stereo landscape speakers we also had the um n82 which had zin and flash and the loud stereo speakers <laughs> really, that's you can see why i like the n82 for so long can't you gentle <laughs> listener um but a question for the listener then i guess it, if somebody can pop up in the comments the the question is which was the very first smartphone to have stereo speakers see if people can get it get the answer right and uh, put your answer in the comments <laughs> and that will also prove how, Rafe how many people actually make it to the end of our podcast which is nearing on an hour now so well done if you've lasted so long I will say goodbye and i'll let Rafe sign off
1: yeah thanks as ever everybody for listening we're always welcoming your feedback and your questions get in touch via any of the communication channels but uh, for now it's goodbye from me and tune in next time